Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode three of Transactions with Dave Canton. We do the show every week, filling you in on everything from the always changing climate in the automotive business, financial topics that matter to automotive dealers like you, and a lot more. I'm your host, Derek D., and Dave Canton is the CEO and founder of the Dave Canton Group, as well as all the DCG family of brands. And he comes stacked with a wealth of knowledge, especially in the merger and acquisitions realm. He joins me on every episode, so let's get right to it. Please welcome Dave Canton. How you doing, Dave? All good, Derek. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm, I'm hanging in. You know, we uh, we all have things going on in our lives. And, you know, I always say this. I could complain, but I won't. You know, what good does that do? Just going to just gotta stay positive and move forward, you know? And if you're complaining, it doesn't mean anyone's listening. I got to tell <laughs> That's you. That's true. Derek, well put. I look, I look forward to these weekly episodes of Transactions. I Me mean, too. today... Today, episode three, I think we got a great episode ahead of us. And, you know, I I don't just do what I do because it's a job or a career. You know, I do what I do because I absolutely have a passion for acquisitions, and especially in, in the automotive industry, as I talk about every week. And I look forward to taking the time to sharing all this information, all this inside information with the automotive industry, and just talking about the things that are the hottest topics going on, especially in the M&A world and the automotive industry. So yeah. I'm excited for today's episode, episode three, transactions. Let's go to work, Eric. That's right. Transactions with Dave Canton every single week right here on the Dealer News Today Network. And uh, so, Dave, we, we spoke yesterday because we were originally supposed to record uh, this yesterday. And, you know, you're always you're, like, you're always busy in the M&A world and you're constantly working, you know, and you have a good balance like we talked about before. But yesterday, you, you text me, you're like, hey, can we move the, the recording to tomorrow because I'm, I'm working on a deal and it might fall through and it might not. So I got to try to save this. So kind of tell me, that is that like the day in, day out? That kind of happens often or what? You know, look, you know, the, 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 it's literally a puzzle, right? Putting I'm together sure. an M&A acquisition, bringing a buyer and seller together. So many people think, okay, the job of DCG acquisitions is strictly to bring a buyer and seller together. Wow. Are they wrong? Right. You know, oh, the, sure. the, the real job, the real job of what we have to do, okay. Is to bring the right buyer. Okay. The best buyer, the most qualified buyer to the acquisition and then make sure that that acquisition stays on its path to the closing table and then beyond, right? And there are mm -hmm. so many steps to that process. And there are so many things that are involved in, in maintaining the, the ability to stay on that path. And there are so many things that can allow you to fall off of that path. So there, it is such a strict process. And look, you know, we try to tweak our process, you know, every, every time we, we come to some sort of situation that we haven't seen before, but yeah. gosh, almost 245 closed acquisitions. I want to say we almost dealt with every scenario that could possibly happen, but look, you know, I, I want to talk to the industry about this because people ask me all the time, what are things I need to do to prepare, especially if I'm considering to sell an acquisition or if I want to buy an acquisition, what do I need to know? You know, yeah. it's more than just finding the dealership, right? So the things that could take a deal and really move us off the tracks, right? Um, unfortunately, we see this some, sometimes, not much, but we do see this sometimes, where the financial due diligence of an acquisition doesn't tie in to the original represented numbers that the seller might have supplied the, 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 the buyer. Oh, and sometimes that happens. It's never, it's never typically an intentional thing. It's more or less along the line, something got posted wrong, uh, a 
numbers just were miscalculated. But at the end of the day, the numbers have to tie in. If you tell a buyer, I make a million a year, when they do their financial due diligence after the asset purchase agreements are signed, they better be able to pack into a million dollars or more per year. So that is typically one of the reasons. And we don't see that much at all. Okay, because we do a really good job at DCG acquisitions. And this is one of the things that we really pride ourselves upon is before we go to market, before we speak to a prospective buyer on an acquisition, we tear the acquisition apart and do our own due diligence as if we were the buyer. So if the seller's telling us he makes a million dollars a year, we're going to back into that million dollars a year just as, just as much or even in more depth as if that buyer would to ensure that everything that we're representing is accurate. So that's right. one of the scenarios, but it's not usually typical. And there's many others. And I'm going to get into those in a moment. Go ahead. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Okay. So you're saying, well, have you ever been in a, a scenario where you're with the buyer and the seller and you're talking to both of them back and forth and maybe the money is right and all the, uh, the numbers are correct, but you and your team at DCG say to each other, you know what, this, this doesn't feel right. We should talk to the buyer and seller and tell them, you know, reason A, B, and C why this maybe isn't in their best interest. And then it doesn't happen because you're looking at the overall picture and maybe, you know, not just the numbers. Absolutely. 100% that happens. And I say this all the time. We actually probably decline to represent more acquisitions than we accept oh. to, to represent. Right. Oh, wow. Really? And, 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 and the reason for that is there's multiple reasons, but the ultimate reason for that is because we have to feel really good about the acquisition. We have to know from the beginning, from day one of that initial consultation, that the seller and sellers, all parties involved in, in, the, in the acquisition on the sell side, are cooperative, okay? Are mm. able to understand that it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's something that's going to take time, right? right. It's, something, it's yeah. something that essentially is a process, that they have to cooperate with us in order for us to maximize their walk away, in order for us to bring the most qualified buyer to the table, in order to ensure that 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 the process is followed, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll give you I'll give you a few other scenarios of sometimes why a deal falls off the tracks. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, there could be uh, environmental damage to the property that the seller is currently operating on. Um, and, and the seller might have either A, neglected or ignored to repair the damage that they've known about because they never thought they were selling. And then they remember, oh, gosh, you're right. 15 years ago, we had an oil separator that, that, we, that leaked and we never fixed it. Or, you know, you're right. A used car leaked, you know, this many quarts of oil 12 years ago back there. We didn't know. Um, but, but, you know, there are different scenarios of reasons of why a deal unfortunately could unwind environmental issues, real estate appraisal issues. I mean, probably one of the biggest issues today in the industry, and I'll tell you how we kind of get around that, but you know, a seller says, I got my property appraised for $10 million and that's how much I want for it. A buyer is right. going to say, I appreciate that, but I can't just take your word that the property appraised for $10 million. So I want to get my own appraisal on the property. Oh, for sure. So what we so what we do to keep everyone fair and keep the whole process honest is what's called the three appraisal process. And this kind of creates a streamlined process that allows the buyer and seller to complete their own due diligence on the value. And if the buyer's appraisal and the seller's appraisal are within 10% of each other, they just split it and everybody's happy. If they're greater ah. than 10%, if they're greater than 10%, here's what's neat about this process. 
the two appraisers that were hired, appraiser A for the seller and appraiser B for the buyer, choose appraiser C. And now in that process, the buyer and seller have no right to talk to anyone. It's the buyer's appraiser and the seller's appraiser that then hires a third appraiser to choose, you ready? To choose one of the two appraisals. It's such an easy process. It's like triple triple appraised in that situation. Yeah. Well, 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 the third appraiser comes in who knows nobody, who has no, who has no bias in the situation. No skin in the game. No skin in the game. And he says, you know what? After doing all my due diligence, I pick appraisal A. And then that's the purchase price of the property. So the real estate kind of is a pretty fair, easy way to determine the value, right? So, you know, look, giving you a few more examples. You have, you have the real estate that, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, a buyer and seller can't come to an agreement on. <clears throat> you have environmental uh, issues that, unfortunately, sometimes can arise. Most of the time, okay, uh, we'll work that out throughout an acquisition, especially once the, a phase two gets done. They'll tell us what we need to do to fix anything on the property. And then, you know, you know seller and buyer have a choice. We can wait to close and fix it or put money in escrow and make sure it gets done. And in today's day, everybody wants to close yesterday. So that's typically what's yeah. happening it's promised down the road. Sometimes they will turn the purchase into a short-term lease until until the environmental information until the environmental damage is repaired, and then they will close on the property. So there's a few different ways to handle that. Uh, obviously, I talked about the financial due diligence, um, and then there's the people aspect, right? You know, sure. you asked me before, is there a time where you just sit around and it's just not meant to be? Well, I got to tell you, I got to say, you know, if I if I might have lost in 245 closed acquisitions, maybe three to five during the process, I would say that all three to five of those acquisitions fell apart because of the people. It was just both sides of the party, okay, just couldn't come to terms and agreement. And unfortunately, it has to be a process of ease. Yeah, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be hiccups along the way. But there's got to be a cooperative side for both parties. Everyone has to have the urge and the willingness, okay, to want to get the deal over the finish line. And if one party's willing to, but not the other party, it's going to be, you know, you're, you're going to create this stalemate. And then unfortunately, it's going to create deal fatigue, I call it. And when there's deal fatigue, when there's deal fatigue and you have a certain issue or issues that just go on for a long period of time, it creates this fatigue that typically unwinds the deal, that creates so many problems that now opens the box uh, choose, right? So yeah. as soon as we start to see that happen, we try to bring both parties together as quickly as we possibly can, overcome those issues, and, and, and try to move on to the next step of the process as quickly as possible, just to get all parties back engaged on why we originally sat at this table. Um, but you know, it, it's a pretty neat process because you're basically, okay, the, 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 the middleman, right, between the buyer yeah. and seller, you know, my team is constantly working with both sides automotive attorneys, both sides automotive accountants, uh, manufacturers. Right, it's a lot of people involved in this in this uh, in this process. You know, in, like. in one acquisition, in one acquisition, right? So let's just say we have let's say we have a deal that has you know four rooftops. So you got four manufacturers involved in one acquisition. At any given time, DCG's team, which we usually have about six to nine people in our company handling one acquisition at a time, right? So there, wow. so there, there's six to nine people on an acquisition. And I'll tell you why. We have different people that are handling the due diligence aspect. 
financial environmental real estate. We have one group that's working with the corporate development teams at the manufacturers helping the approval process application. We have another team that's working with the legal and accounting uh, uh, representations for the buyer and the seller. And then we have the team of managing directors that basically uh, handles uh, and streamlines all the phone calls, keeping the acquisition together, keeping the parties engaged. So there is a lot in there. And when you called me yesterday, Derek, we have a pretty significant deal that there was a hiccup and, and it took me getting involved in the acquisition to get the buyer and seller re-engaged, to get them to understand why we originally started this process. We're so far along. And quite frankly, it was an issue that probably if, if uh, the average firm was involved, it probably would have unwound the deal. Um, and we do believe of getting as intimate as we have to, getting really involved, rolling our sleeves up, whatever it takes to really dig deep to figure out the root of the issue. Yeah, okay, because it's, it's it's usually not the issue; it's the resolution to the issue that matters, mm. and finding out how we get there. Right? It's like being a problem solver. So, so yesterday, after ten hours of <laughs> back and forth and figuring it out and getting to the root of the issue, the issue is solved last evening. Deals back on track. Seller and buyer as happy as they were two nice. months ago when we originally started this, and that's like the victory of doing a deal. You know, it's like it's the. It literally is a passion. And I started off this, I started off episode three saying that today. This is a passion for my team. You know, again, you know, DCG Acquisitions is built upon handpicking some of the greatest individuals in the automotive industry from all aspects, all different industries. It's, 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 you know, M&A attorneys, M&A accountants, uh, uh, prior automotive dealers, executives at at automobile manufacturers. So there is someone that's been there, someone who sat in that seat, someone that could give the advice and recommendations based upon actually experiencing it and doing it, not just thinking about it, not just saying, oh, well, I've worked with someone, so I know what that means. They've done the role. They sat in the chair. So, you know, I'm really proud of the team and how hard they work to try to really make an acquisition feel at ease. Our goal each and every time, Derek, each and every time we close an acquisition for the buyer and seller to leave that closing table and say, this was worth this acquisition. This is great. I, I want everyone to feel good. That feel good moment is the best moment of creating that acquisition. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, there's no doubt, Dave, that you have a passion for what you do. You talk with such knowledge and confidence in what you do and how you work, and it it really comes through. And I think same goes for the rest of the people you work with on your team at DCG, because they come in with their different backgrounds and expertise and all these things, and they're able to add something, you know, uh, I guess you could say multidimensional to it. So when you have a buyer and seller having a hiccup, like you mentioned, but you and your team can talk to them, get them to come to terms on whatever the transaction is, but also feel good about it. And ultimately, that's what you want for all parties. You want them to feel good about it, buying or selling. So it goes to show you and your team's dedication. Um, hey, transactions with Dave Canton. I check in with him every week. Dave, is there anything going on this week in the automotive or uh, uh, dealership industry, M&A industry, that's just new and exciting? Did anything happen? Every week, every week, there's things happening. If you're asking me if there's been big acquisitions or large acquisitions that have been announced or even small acquisitions, yeah, I mean, there's more acquisitions happening in the fourth quarter than probably in Q1 and Q2. Um, it's just, it's, it's literally, it's at an all-time rise. We're going we're gonna to keep seeing deals being struck every single day. But yeah. I would say the greatest thing happening in the industry today is to really understand the supply and demand issue, right? What's happening, right? When you, right. When you go yeah. to these dealerships and you see parking lots that are three quarters empty 
empty. And you're and you're confused for a moment, but you shouldn't be because almost every industry you walk into a store, they're not going to have product, right? But to, to really understand, and this is what's really good right now, the staff at these automotive dealers have embraced this evolution of how to handle supply and demand. And you know, it's not just about you have to pay me ten thousand more because this car's in stock. It's about giving the consumer options. It's about really understanding and identifying with the crisis that's going on today. You know, people need cars. Cars break down every day. Leases expire every day. You know, things happen where even people want a new car. You know, yeah. and, and it's and it's understanding how to draw, how to bring the consumer through the process. So, what really I'm proud to see today, and all I do is read what all these analysts say every day. The consumers are adapting to the new process. The automotive detail, the, the, the automotive retailers are creating this evolution of process, and it's working itself out. It's happening now. The yeah. question is, right? How long is this supply and demand thing going to happen? Some some analysts are saying into 2023, and then the question wow. really becomes. Does it go back to anything like it was two years ago, where the second a dealership now gets 500 cars in stock, they want to go back to trying to, to, to go back to the way they sold cars at that time? I think that is not going to happen. I think we're going to ha- we're going to share for a long while to come of how we're operating today, and and and, and it's it's not a bad thing, right? It's it's a pretty good no. thing, and and I think it's I think it's actually delivering a better buying experience for a consumer because just yeah. like doing business with my company, the experience is most important, right? It's for it's sure. you know your customer is the walking billboard, so when somebody is able to to walk out of a car dealership, regardless of what they paid, regardless of did they have to order it or take a car off the stock floor, the experience, give them a good experience exactly. and it's going to change consumer habit and bring them back to you. Yeah. You know, I think because obviously, because the pandemic pandemic and everything, it, it, it forced people to do business a certain way. And it kind of, I think, changed things for the better. And I think going forward, there'll be a lot of things. Well, a lot of things have already been learned from it. And that's going to keep going forward. And I think you're absolutely right. It's not going to go back to what it was like two years ago, but it's going to get better. It's going to be a better experience. It's going to be more streamlined, all that stuff. And, you know, you talked about the, uh, the supply and demand and the chip shortage. I just thought I should mention this because we talked about it on the show before. I did just get an email yesterday morning saying that my MacBook Pro was being shipped. So maybe uh, the chip situation is getting a little bit better. It's funny <laughs> that you say that. I got my Apple email two days ago that my new iPhone Pro Max is on its way. Okay, so hey, you know, things looking up a little bit. That's that's good. You know, listen, it's 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 going to happen. We know it's gonna happen. It's just everyone sitting tight yeah. and following the process. And look, evolution is real, right? It's it's really happening. The supply and demand sure. thing is just there's so many things, you know, nobody really knows. At the end of the day, it's just it's 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 following the process. And I say that every day, right? This is the process we're in today. We gotta just follow it and make the absolute best of it. You know, look it, you know, getting back to transactions, people ask me all the time, what can I do to prepare for an acquisition? And, you know, one of the things I just want to touch on today, and we'll get into more next week, if you're a seller, or if you're considering that one day, I think I'm going to sell, start acting as a seller today. Always act and operate your company as if there's an opportunity or a chance to sell. Meaning, make sure your people, your process, and your product are always in its best position to be represented for an acquisition, right? I say this all the time. You want to create that wow factor. When people pull up to your automotive dealership, from the time they get out of their car, from the time they get back in their car or their new car, you want them to say, wow, the experience is critical because that experience that's delivered to the consumer 
okay, stems from the staff working there, which usually comes from the top of the executive team, dealer, principal, general manager, full executive team. So it's critical that we're always delivering a wow experience. Now, some, some, some typical easy things to talk about, you know, make sure your inventory is in line, which is an easy situation today. You know, make sure that you're always finding ways to renegotiate, negotiate the best uh, obligations or, or at least uh, assumed obligations for your business, which means any vendor product that you use, DMS, you know, try to try to go month to month, try to simplify your commitments for long term, put yourself in the best position and really focus on the process because process equals results and yeah. results equal profitability. So when you're when you're when you're really focused on and honed in on your service process, your sales process, your administrative process, you're usually at that point tip, you know, you're you're typically at that point really creating incredible profitability, which then creates high sales effectiveness, great service retention, amazing CSI, which every buyer loves to see great customer service uh, scores throughout all dealerships. So performance metrics are key. I cannot mm -hmm. tell you how many times I, I show an evaluation and you know our buyers are more honed in, they're more focused on the performance reports metrics than they are on the actual financial statements. The first thing they go to huh. is literally to see what's their sales efficiency, what's the room for growth and opportunity, what's their service retention, what's their CSI, what's their units in operation, UIO we call it. Then they flip to the financials just to really get an understanding of how is this business operating today? You know, it, has it hit its height yet? Or is there room for growth? Is there potential with our resources to get this place, to get this business to the next level? Or are we buying a business that's already hit its all-time height and only has one way to go if we can't sustain what the business is doing today? So, you know, yeah. as a business owner that's that's putting themselves in a position to, to possibly one day set themselves up for an acquisition, really focus on your performance metrics, have them at your disposal, understand where you are, how can you those performance metrics and position your store or platform to become the greatest acquisition available to purchase. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a ton of great advice and information and we have it every single week right here on transactions with Dave Canton, the CEO and founder of the Dave Canton group. Dave, appreciate you coming on the show every single week and I'll talk to you next week for episode four. Derek, I can't wait for episode four next week. Every week I look forward to this and I really put a lot of thought into what we're going to talk about and share with the automotive industry. Uh, I hope everyone has an incredible holiday. Stay healthy and stay safe and uh, look forward to speaking to everyone next week. Look forward to it as well. Thanks, Dave. And you have a happy Thanksgiving yourself as well as everyone listening out there. This is Transactions with Dave Canton on the DNT Network. You can listen over at dealernewstoday.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Derek D. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.